0: In this series, uh, what we're hoping to do is equip you to be tough when times get tough, whether it is in the middle of a pandemic Or maybe it is just a season of life that you are finding to be particularly difficult. And I've been spending a lot of time um, thinking uh, about some of the root issues that uh, we are wrestling with, especially as I am navigating obstacle courses through our basement and playing Play-Doh and painting and cleaning up Play-Doh and paint. And uh, I really hope um, that today we can get to one of those core hurts that we are struggling with that's impacting us. Uh, address it and then hopefully help you through that or or more importantly, I hope to invite you to consider what God thinks about when God thinks about this particular issue and how that can help you. And the core issue that I think uh, many of us are experiencing today is this issue right here, that we are experiencing a lot of loss. We are experiencing a lot of loss. Without a doubt, we have all lost our normal. Just like that funny video laid out, it feels like we're juggling a million things right now or maybe nothing. And whether that's new or unusual to you, it's, it's probably somewhere in between. Um, working uh, and parenting, uh, very little routine. Um, maybe you're at work and you feel like uh, work is a little bit of a moving target um, these days, what you're supposed to be working on, how you're supposed to be doing it. Maybe you're trying to learn new technologies and new processes. Uh, maybe for some of you, you don't have work right now, and that is uh, a pain point because you have lost it or it has diminished to the point where it is not sustaining you financially, and that is a tough situation. Some of you are managing the loss of relationships and connections that we're used to uh, physically, and, and that's no longer there, especially for those people who maybe need those physical connections. More than most now no longer have that. Um, I don't know about you, but I have never um, thought about lysoling my packages that I get to the door or our mail, um, but these days I do. That is our new normal, um, and certainly we run the risk or are contemplating the loss of our personal health and just loss of life in general. It feels like maybe these days that every day we're losing more than we're gaining. And I realize this next statement isn't going to be shocking to you, but I think it's important to acknowledge that we don't like loss. We avoid it if at all possible. We don't like loss. In fact, to go so far, we fear loss, we despise loss, which is a pretty strong word. We hate loss, we despise loss, and we avoid loss loss, if at all possible. When we lose things, it generally speaking doesn't bring out the best part of ourselves. It brings out anger and frustration and resentment. And then we let that loss, uh, tend to let that loss dictate our choices in our life, our decisions that we have in front of us. And because we don't want any more of that loss, or we want to bring back what we have lost, even if it's not the best thing for us. It's why um, this aversion to loss, it's why we uh, have insurance for all those things that we consider valuable in our lives. It's why insurance companies have insurance. It's why relationally, sometimes we avoid the honest conversation because we don't want to be honest. And, And because honesty means that there is a chance that we could lose a relationship. We could lose credibility. We could lose financially. And so it's easier to avoid being honest to avoid that loss. Maybe you're familiar with the the psychological term loss aversion. This is a real thing. Maybe you've heard about it before. Um, Essentially, loss aversion is this, and this is what the research suggests, is that the pain of losing something is about twice as emotionally powerful as a positive or a gain of something. In other words, you will feel more pain losing $5 than you will receive in joy or excitement if you gain $5. You will put, therefore, more energy and time and effort into avoiding the loss than you will put into gaining something. It's why advertisers often say things like, don't miss out, or this is a limited time deal, or they'll put a deadline on that deal because you don't want to be that one person that missed out on that great deal. It's why oftentimes peer pressure is so powerful. We think it's because we just want to fit in, but part of it is because we just don't want to be left out. We don't want to lose that connection. We don't want to be the unfashionable one. We don't want to be the one that missed out on that upgrade, that new car, that new boat, that new thing. We want to be a part. We don't want to be left behind. We don't want to lose out. And it's why all of this, especially what's happening right now in our world, hurts because Now, for the first time in a long time, we have to be exceptionally cautious about our physical connections with others and being in close proximity to others. It's why why we feel hurt being around people who probably need that connection most, the fact that we can't be there and we've lost that connection. Maybe for some of us, and and you've maybe seen articles uh, skimming around social media and in the news uh, about marriages falling apart as people are forced to spend time together. And and as people lose their normal routines, it's causing relationships to fall apart. It's causing jobs to be lost. Promotions have been lost. And of course, health has been lost. And we don't like it. And that is why it hurts, is because we are loss adverse. But here's my question. What if we didn't have to fear loss? What if we didn't have to fear loss? Wouldn't that, I mean, just, just like imagine for a second, if, if the last two, three weeks just went away, wouldn't that like bring a sense of peace to you that you didn't have to feel the loss that you have felt over the last few weeks, not to fear that anymore, not to let that impact you anymore? Or maybe just in life in general, that, that you would be able to share truths without losing friends. That you would be able to share about an addiction you have without being shunned. You'd be able to explain your doubts and not be excluded by the church or religious group that you're a part of. That you could move forward in time, maybe a year from now, and know that you have not lost any loved ones and that you have not lost your health in the weeks to come. Imagine that. I mean, wouldn't that be pretty nice? So wouldn't It'd be good if we didn't have to fear loss. Now, there was a time, and we talked about this last week, there was a time when, when Christians didn't fear loss, when people who followed Jesus and told people that they followed Jesus didn't fear loss. We learned last week that they were committed to doing the right thing, relationally, morally, even if, and it would, cost them their own lives entirely. And when they did this, it really confused the world to a great extent. People would look at these people and say, this is not how the world works. This is not normal. Why are you doing this? And the Christians, maybe they realized it or not, they just simply, because they didn't fear loss. And they didn't just go about because they didn't fear loss in in an irresponsible way. They weren't overly arrogant or unwise, and I'm not advocating that at all they're just not driven or they were just not driven by the same fears that often we are. They weren't driven by that fear of loss as we may be today. And it wasn't because they just kind of willed themselves not to fear anymore, because I think that's our temptation and will be your temptation to walk away from today's message and think to yourself, well, I'm just gonna stop fearing loss. That's not how they did that. And we can try it, but a few days from now, that willpower will probably be gone. And so if there was a more sustainable way, wouldn't that be good to not fear loss? And the way that they chose and were able to figure out how not to, to fear loss was because of who they followed, Jesus. And because of what he taught, and then more importantly, how he modeled what he taught. In a passage uh, that's fairly well-known, especially if you grew up in a religious circle or Christian community in some sense, um, it's a fairly well-known passage um, that we're going to look at today. This was a really a uh, game-changing, faith-defining, Christianity-defining little passage of scripture that Jesus told to his disciples. Um, This was kind of the moment uh, where the teacher stands up in front of the class and says, this will be on the test. Now, half the class is still on their laptops and phone and not really paying attention. But nonetheless, Jesus is telling his people, his disciples, the people who are gathered in this moment, this will be on the test. This is key to following me. And he just wrapped up talking about how he was the Messiah he was the Christ. They mean the same thing. Essentially, he was the chosen one. He was the savior sent by God to die for our sins on Good Friday, and then would be raised to life again on Easter. And so he laid this all out to them. And then he came to this uh, bit of passage as those, the 12 and those who are gathered around him um he said to them he said to them all okay so at least the 12 there could have been more there okay just really anyone who considered themselves a Jesus follower was there at this point and here's what he said to them all whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me now i realize you hear me read that you read it yourself you think to yourself well that doesn't sound very fun In fact, you might even think to yourself, how does that even connect to loss? How does a cross, which was one of the worst forms of, of execution in the Roman Empire at the time, and the idea of denying yourself connect to loss? Here's what Jesus realized about me and about you that sometimes we don't recognize. And it's that loss is often all about us. Loss is often all about us. That ultimately, my fear is my loss. I'm afraid of what I could lose. I could lose my health. I could lose my friends. I could lose my liberty, my way of life, my convenience, my Starbucks, my time, my income, and my life. That's the driver of loss is how it impacts, most of all, me. And let's be honest just for a second, given the season that we're in. And so if you tuned out or you're cleaning something or you moved to another room, come back for just a second. How concerned were you in February with COVID-19? When it was on the whole other side of the world, When it was like the farthest away you could get from here. How concerned were you about it in February? Probably not concerned that much at all. In fact, people are recognizing, talking about this now, it barely made much of the major news. I want to propose to you, the reason you didn't think about it that much is because you had nothing to lose yet. Loss wasn't something you and I faced, but now, now that you and I stand to lose a lot, it at- immediately grabs our attention. It immediately grabs our worry and it immediately grabs our fear because we have something to lose. And the reason you struggle to overcome your loss and the reason you struggle to overcome your fear and maybe anger and maybe arrogance in the face of what is a dangerous situation is because it's all about you. It's all about me and my friends so long as it's all about you fear and loss has a grip on you this is why jesus went on to say whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves that's why jesus said take up my cross take up your cross daily and follow me because jesus is trying to advocate that until you deny yourself. Until you say no to Taylor and say yes to something else, it will always be about you and that loss that is all about you will have a grip on you. You have to get to the point where you're willing to say no to you and more importantly say yes to something else. And in this case, you're saying yes to following Jesus. You're saying yes to Jesus. And then he kind of expounds in this somewhat cryptic back and forth statement. He says, for whomever wants to save their life will lose it, which seems so contradictory. I mean, if you're going to try to save your life, wouldn't you do a better job of saving your life? And Jesus says, no, if you want to save your life, you will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit their very self? And the, the reason this is, seems like a contradiction to us is because we're taught that to gain the whole world is like the ultimate definition of success. That if you could somehow gain the entire world, be in charge of it all, have it all, that is success. You've been taught and I've been taught that trying to save yourself, putting your needs before others, putting you first, is the best way to always go through life, to save yourself first. That is the best way. But to do that, to prioritize saving yourself, to prioritize the whole world, means that you'll also fear losing it. It is really hard to gain the entire world and then be okay if part of it slips away. In fact, what I think, at least what I know about me, is that the more I have, the harder I work to prevent losing it. The more I have, the harder I work to prevent lo- losing it. Thus, the more I make it about me, and what I have. My friends, life is not meant to be hoarded. It's meant to be given. Life is not meant to be hoarded. It's meant to be given. Think about, think about somebody in your life that has bettered you. That because of that relationship, they have made you better. They have challenged you when you needed to be challenged. And they're the type of person that you look up to, that, that, that you would just say about them, you know, they have their faults, they have their imperfections without a doubt, but they're just, they're just a good person. I'm glad that they're in my life. What is their focus? Is their focus and the reason they've made such an impact in your life because they were just focused on themselves or because they cared about you? and your growth, and they took time out of their life, this finite thing that we have time out of their life and poured it into you to make your life better, to make you better at life. They asked questions, how can I help you? How can I help you to be successful? I want you to grow. I want to challenge you, not to frustrate you, but to better you. That's the Jesus model. Not to hoard it, but to give it. Not to make it about gaining the whole world, but about sometimes laying your life down for others. Giving, not taking or gaining. Jesus was about giving life, not fearing loss. Jesus was about giving life, not fearing loss. And I'm not just talking about giving away time. I'm talking about giving away relationship. I'm talking about giving away hope. I'm talking about giving away connection and mercy and forgiveness and serving those who needed to be served and loving those who need to be loved. My friends, fearing loss will always hold you back. Fearing loss will always hold you back because if you fear losing connection then you will also fear telling the truth. You will fear being honest about yourself and and your past failures, or in Christian terms, we call that sin when we've missed the mark with God and we've missed the mark with God's children, all the people around us. We're not gonna be honest about where we've fallen short in sin because we're afraid to lose it. I have never met a person who fears loss and that loss has a grip on their life and they've made it all about them who is honestly generous. I'm talking like sacrificially generous because those who fear loss will always keep enough that they will be okay. They will never be generous to a point where they are threatened or feel threatened. Early Christians didn't fear loss. And they confused the world because they were almost generous to a fault. They forgave when people didn't deserve it. And when plagues broke out, and we may talk about this next week, they stayed and they cared for those who were sick. They didn't run away like everybody else did and spread the plague to other parts of the world. They stayed put and they loved because that's what Jesus did for them. They gave their life to give others life. Because the man that they followed taught it. He taught to love their neighbor. He taught that we were born equal. He taught um, uh, that we were all sons and daughters of God and that we needed the care, especially for the weakest and the broken and the lost. And then he modeled it. On this Sunday, 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked over the top of what's known as the Mount of Olives. And as you get to the top of the Mount of Olives, you look down and the first thing that you see is the Temple Mount where the whole Jewish sacrificial and religious system essentially hung right there on the Temple Mount. And he came in in what has been described as a parade, we we call it Palm Sunday, and there were palm branches, and he was hailed as the Messiah and the Savior. Here's a, a little picture of coming down the Mount of Olives, obviously with a modern tilt, but here is the wall that surrounded the Temple Mount, and Jesus walked into this. And by the end of that very week, he was in his final hours of life. And he knows it and he gathers with his, with his disciples and he gives them essentially his final words in his last few moments of life. And here was what he commanded them. And we looked at this last week. This is my command, love each other. In the same way that I have loved you, there is no greater love than to lay one's life down for, one, for, for one's friends. And a few hours later, he died for me and for you. He taught it, and he modeled it. He taught, it's not about me. It's about others and giving life to them, bringing hope and truth and love to others. So I just want you to, to consider this morning. What if we were focused on giving life more than we were focused on fearing loss? What if we were focused on giving life not fearing loss there are some challenging weeks ahead what if this was everyone's heart and mindset do you think it may change the paradigm in our world in the midst of this challenging season not just as a country but as a human being as humanity Maybe for some of you, it's a matter of finally getting to the point where you're going to make a decision to say, I'm following Jesus because I'm tired of making it all about me and my world and saving my life. And I want to get to the place. I'm finally ready to get to the place where I'm going to deny myself and live like Jesus lived to care for others. As Jesus said, to see hunger and provide something to eat, to see thirst, and provide something to drink, to see someone who needs a place to say and give them a place to say, to, to care for the sick, to visit those in prison, to stay at home if at all possible. But then if you see someone that needs help, you help. If you see one who needs someone who needs to be served, then you serve. Because you're more about giving life than you are about fearing loss. You're not consumed with preventing the loss to ourselves. You're consumed with giving life and hope and light to others. That when people leave an interaction with you, here's what they say, maybe out loud, but at least in their minds that they say, because of, and insert your name, in my life, my life is better. Because you are in my life, my life is better wouldn't that be incredible? We can't stop all loss in life, but we can certainly change our approach to it. We can certainly, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of loss, change our paradigm, change how we respond And here's the cool thing. Just because there is loss happening doesn't mean we can't bring life. So let's be those amazing people that give hope because Jesus gave us hope first. That we don't just ride the wave and the challenges that is in the world today up and down, up and down, but we stand on a rock that doesn't change, that is firm because love can be love even in the midst of challenge. Hope can be hope even in the midst of challenge. Jesus' message was essentially this. You will find life when you start giving it away, like Jesus did. And I realize this is maybe a big step for some of you, especially if you're just tuning in for the first time, you're contemplating faith for the first time, because I realized when I was when I was agnostic, some statement like this could have been a real hurdle for me. I don't mean it to be a hurdle. I mean it to maybe change your paradigm of christianity to maybe change your view of what it means to follow jesus because some of us have grown up in unhealthy versions of christianity and this is this moment when jesus stands up in front of his entire class and says this is the test you will find life when you start giving it away like jesus did and you've had those moments too you can think back into those moments where you were really proud of maybe a decision that you made or that the impact that you made, and you looked at, if you look back at that moment, you will think to yourself, maybe it's because it was a moment in which I didn't do it for me. It wasn't about me and how it was going to benefit me or those people whom I even cared about. It was just simply about giving life to others. It won't be about you. If you do this right, it'll be grounded in a man who lived this out daily and who conquered the ultimate loss, death, that whenever fear or loss is whispering in your ear, whispering in my ear, we just think to my, ourselves, I'm not listening. In fact, I can't even hear it because my trust is elsewhere. My hope is elsewhere we can't do it all as a church we can't be there for all the need that's going to be out there in the world now and in the future but we certainly hope to help and this isn't a catch-all but it is a good step and i talked about this last week but it is a lot easier to be tough it is a lot easier to not fall victim to loss when you are with others And so I really encourage you, if you haven't already signed up to take that step or aren't already in a group, join a group. This is a great way to get your feet wet with only a 12-week commitment to being in community together. Because my friends, there are people that are in our world and connected to this church and watching with you right now. And they may smile and they may say things are good and they may say what they're watching on Netflix, but they need someone to help them. They need someone to be there to be tough with them. And they're struggling with the loss that is going going on in their life and in our world around you. And maybe you're not, and maybe you can bring light to their life, and vice versa. Maybe you are in need of that community, that connection, and that life-giving hope. Go through it together. Go through it together. Just don't get by. Another thing that we're going to start doing, um, and you can sign up for this on the exact same page in fuse.church groups, is we're going to start slowly and incrementally connecting to care centers. As more and more of you sign up, we will add more and more care centers. But we're going to do care center pen pals because there are people who need connection that are not going to get it for likely many months. And so this is a small way that we can do to love those who can't Quite as easily anymore, be loved and feel loved. So we're going to start with Windmill Manor in Tiffin, Iowa. And so wherever you're watching, you can send letters. And so what I would encourage you to go to do uh, to sign up is go to our website, slash groups and you'll find the Windmill Manor's pen pal group. You request to join it, and when will we approve it, we'll send you a letter. And if we have that, if that group fills uh, fills up, we have individual names that we will connect you with. Um, we'll add another group, and we'll add another group because we want to be uh, serving those and loving those who need it most, especially those who don't have a lot. And that little that they do have is being lost. I mean, just imagine, just imagine if all 200 plus of you that watch, you just went out. And if you saw something, you did something. Otherwise you just stay home, but you saw something, you did something about it. You gave life to someone. You took your time that you will never get back and you invested it in others. Don't you think that would make a difference? And I'm not advocating to be irresponsible. I'm not advocating for you um, to take extraordinary risks unless you feel led to do so, but that I'm asking you to bring hope. What if we were focused on giving life, not fearing loss? What if we were focused on giving life, not fearing loss. Like our Savior started this important process today on Palm Sunday on our behalf. If he would have stopped and responded to no doubt the loss he knew he was going to experience, we would be without a Savior. We would be without and not clearly understand the love of God. But because he was more worried about giving life we get to experience that love today. And I hope maybe this would be the day in which you choose to make that decision. Or at least you would begin to wrestle with the implications of what he taught and what he modeled and what it means for you. If you would, wherever you are, other than driving, bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, this is one of the greatest challenges to following you, to, in the very ultimate way, put others first before ourselves, to not succumb to our instincts and, and what we're used to in trying to avoid loss, trying to protect ourselves and those we care about most from loss, that we would not succumb to the natural reality that we will feel loss to a greater extent than we will feel and celebrate again. That in the face of that, we would look to one who modeled giving life instead of fearing loss. That in the days and weeks to come, when the news reels continue to get um, really depressing and somber, and painful, that we would go out and we would be those in our communities, in our context, in a responsible yet compassionate way. Bring life and give life. That you would change from the inside through your spirit, our hearts, to to reflect your love and the love your son showed in our daily lives, in the connections and relationships we have, whether we meet physically or online, that we would give life. We would be known by giving life most of all. Lord, help us to take steps to be better at that, whether it be joining a group, whether it be writing those in need, or whether we see people in our community or call a neighbor or a friend or or whatever it takes, but that we would be light in the lives of those around us just as you have been a light or can be a light in our lives. Give us the strength and encouragement and the wisdom and the people in our future to be able to live that out. In your name I pray, amen.